Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Nancy comes in today with Amanda, her six-month-old, for her six-month well-child check. Amanda appears to be thriving and is maintaining her growth curve and meeting all milestones. You begin to discuss the introduction of solids into the baby's diet, and Nancy tells you, I actually started her on baby cereal about six weeks ago. She was waking up every night at 3 a.m. and was hungry, and breastfeeding didn't seem to make her sleep through the night. My best friend told me to give her some cereal before bed, and it's made all the difference. She's been sleeping through the night ever since, and everyone is happier. She's now getting cereal and stage 2 baby food. I've noticed my breastfeeding supply seems to be decreasing, so I've also added some formula in as well. Hi, this is Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. And joining me today is Susan Feeney, assistant professor and coordinator of the Family Nurse Practitioner Program at the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Graduate School of Nursing. Susan, thanks for coming today. Thanks for having me, Frank. Wow. I must say I've had this same experience with patients in my practice. Um, Before we get into what's new in the area of, of feeding and formula, can you tell us what the current recommendations are about the introduction of solids to infants? Well, there's a there's a global um, recommendation. The World Health Organization and the American Academy of Pediatrics say that they would really prefer women to breastfeed exclusively for the first six months of life. That's the ideal. Now, if you drill down, the American Academy of Pediatrics says you can start at between four and five months in certain cases, um, but in general, it really is this that pushes for exclusive breastfeeding for six months. And the reason is it's that it's can sort of considered the perfect food. You know, it's well-balanced, it's well-absorbed, the iron that's in it is well-absorbed. And, you know, and we know that babies, from a developmental standpoint, both their GI tract and renal system, um, they can't have a lot of the different foods until they get a little bit older. So um, that is really the recommendation. And um, there's also been some concern that possibly an early onset of food before six months, this, this has been some general ideas, is that it might put kids at risk for atopic disease, eczema, asthma, possibly celiac. And then there's also been the concern that uh, babies that are bottle-fed with formula or are fed early might have a higher risk of obesity. So the current guidelines are to exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months because there might be some some concerns Correct. about earlier introduction of foods. Sure, right. So what does this new paper tell us? So this is a study from the UK, and it was a it had about uh, 1,200 babies, and it was randomized into two arms, and there were the one arm was what they call standard introduction. So these were moms who did not. Um, only breastfed exclusively for six months. And then the experimental arm, if you will, were moms who were given instructions on introducing solids early. And they would, some of them were even like a little earlier than four months, but most of them started between four and five months maintaining breastfeeding and also introducing solids. And they were pretty strict about the first week was non-allergenic foods. And then they actually started some of the more allergenic foods 
in subsequent weeks. So that would be peanuts, hen eggs, sesame, and, and that kind of thing, and actually cow's milk, but in small amounts. Um, but that was one study. But they also had a secondary analysis where they sent out uh, questionnaires to moms, a validated questionnaire from the World Health on sleep quality. And um, it looked at how long the baby slept and did how many awakenings did they have. And then they also had an analysis of the moms also figured would indicate um, their their assessment of the child's sleep. Was it good? Was it problematic? And was it or seriously problematic, meaning that they were sleep, waking up frequently during the night. They also looked at mom satisfaction. And what they found was the babies that were uh, had early introduction had a small but significant uh, improvement in length of sleep and number of awakenings. So they had a few, few less awakenings per night, slept longer, small amount but enough. And that the other thing that was pretty impressive is quality of life indexes for moms who saw their babies as having significant sleep problems improved significantly. The other thing they found is once at six months, both arms um, became came together, right? Both they had breastfeeding and solids. And what they found is those babies who had sleep issues, who got better on the early introduction, were able to sustain their, for the most part, sustain a improved sleep cycle compared to those who had the standard introduction. So to summarize, um, yeah. the, the children that received the early introduction of solids slept a few minutes more. Correct. They had a, a decrease in the amount of awakenings at night. Right. And for those children with serious sleep disorder, the parents felt their quality of life improved by Correct. the early introduction Correct. of the solids. So that, that's pretty interesting. So now this is, this is somewhat in conflict with the current recommendations. How do we apply this clinically? Well, from what I could glean from the AAP and from the World Health is that um, as long as, that we should be actually engaging our parents at an earlier age, like a two, when the babies are two months, and really talking to them about, um, first, first of all, giving them an idea of what a normal sleep pattern is for an infant, and, and that perhaps it, there may be a point where they want to introduce foods prior to six months, no sooner than four months, but prior to six months. Um, and it should be done on an individual basis. And um, and certainly if you have parents where a baby is, you know, sleep not sleeping well and the perception is poor quality of life, you know that can impact bonding and function and can have a snowball effect. That perhaps in those cases we may help advise our, our moms and dads to start introducing foods before six months. Um, the other thing that was interesting is, there was, as I would mentioned before, there was a concern that Early introduction of foods might be associated with atopic disease and with gluten, um, celiac disease. And um, a meta-analysis that was done found that actually waiting till after six months to introduce gluten types of foods might have had a higher increase with celiac. Children that had those introduced between four and six months had less risk of, of celiac which sort of goes along with the peanut allergy concept, is that kids who are very high risk for peanut allergies, we found that if we introduce peanuts between four and six months, they have a less risk of having a peanut allergy. And we now know that all children should be exposed to peanuts between six and 11 months to reduce the risk. So I think it's, that we, we just need to keep doing more work on this. I think when we realized, when I went and looked, there's not a lot of evidence on, you know, ex, you know the, the, that, to support the absolute 
that babies need to be fed for six months exclusively with breast milk. The thing that is a concern is once you start supplementing with food, there is a risk, especially women who work or don't have access to pumping all the time, that their breast milk may, may decrease. So that is a concern, and I think we need to talk to moms about that. So um, helping to support them, because we do want them to be on breast milk uh, for at least 12 months, even though it, they, they're going to be eating and, and taking in more solids than taking milk. Well, um, Nancy seems to be very happy with how things are going, so it's probably uh, not necessary to make any new interventions. Uh, Amanda's growing well. She's, her growth chart looks great. Um, what else besides starting this conversation early can we do to help babies sleep through the night? Well, I think, you know, um, also telling parents that some children don't have the neurological st stability to sleep through the night. They, they may wake a little bit, and maybe if they're waking up, it might not be because they're hungry. They may be wet. They may be cold. You know, we don't put blankets on babies anymore, right? Mm -hmm. they're, in, they're in these blanket sleepers, but sometimes they can get cold. They can be bunged up in their clothing. You know, that it's not necessary that they are hungry when they wake up at 3 o'clock. So maybe a soothing kind of behavior or untangling them from their sleeper um, might be all that needs to be done. And anticipatory guidance for the parents saying, you know, it may be, as sad as it sounds, five months before they really sleep a six-hour period of time and giving them a realistic expectation. Um, but it's hard to do when you're working and maybe you have more children at home. So you really have to balance that. And I think it's engaging them early and saying, what are your views on feeding? What have you done in the past? What have you heard? Because they're going to get advice from their, their grandparents, their aunts and uncles, the woman next to them on the bus. I mean, everyone's going to give them advice. And so you really want them to, like, give me a call. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about if you start to feel frustrated that the baby's waking up, call the office. I think I think you're exactly right. I, I, um, I try to make a point of around two to three months to remind parents that the soonest you expect a baby to sleep through the night is around four months of age. And I say very clearly that I want them to set up a regular bedtime routine that you try to keep all the time because if you don't, if you play it by ear and then you the baby's not sleeping through the night and you try to use anything, it, 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 may, be, it may be a little bit harder to adopt a new, a, a new uh, pattern for both the baby sleep and, and your self-image, right. your, your ability to feel good about yourself. Right. Well, Susan, this is great. Any final thoughts on what we should be doing about this? Well, I just think, I, I can't, just as we've been saying, we've been really st stressing that, you know, it, it sounds like it would be not unreasonable in certain situations to help parents come up with a feeding schedule at, like after four months, as long as they have, they have the ability to sit up with with support, that they have some head and neck control, that they look interested in food, babies will open their mouth, that, you know. The other thing that is very important is if you start to feed a child before six months is learning the cues of their own satiety. Like, we tend to want to overfeed kids, you know, if one more bite in the bowl, you want to give it to them. But if they turn their head away, that's their way of saying, don't feed me. So really, um, helping parents see that so that we don't overfeed children as well. Good advice for adults as well. Thank you very much, Susan. <laughs> My pleasure. Practice Pointer. Engage parents of infants around two months of age about what's to be expected with, with regard to their child sleeping through the night and proper feeding. And for more timely, relevant, and practical medical education, check out primed.com. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by Primed. 
For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME accredited activities now available on primed.com. Thank you again for listening.